not activated. This is the ITC. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we be the elite with another marked out dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, that voice that you hear, ready to unload yet another must-see, can't-miss, must-listen, if you will, episode that is literally overflowing with underjuice as we welcome not one, but two top-shelf guests in WWE superstars, Roman Reigns and AJ Styles, just over a week out from WrestleMania 34. But look, instead of me cracking jokes and dropping sound bites right now, we're reminding you how important that five-star review on Apple Podcasts is. Instead, let me remind you just how must-listen Tuesday's bonus NXT pod of the In This Corner truly was. Check out our State of the Union and NXT along with me and the Silver King and check out our, you know, entertaining and educational interview with Triple H. But even if those elements don't move you, please do yourselves a favor at the very least and listen to our chat with Mauro Ranallo as he talks about his passion for both NXT and announcing, but even more importantly, his journey through bipolar disorder and how it led both from his exit from SmackDown, his entrance to NXT, and also why he feels like it's his life's calling to raise awareness. This is, uh, we've been blessed to give you some great interviews in the history of the ITC over the past few years, but none as emotional, none as, you know, for lack of a better term, real than this. So make sure you carve out that time. But speaking of time, let me not waste any more on the build to this show. Let's get right to business. Let me bring in the slick to my natural Butch Reed. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's the only man who can find something he doesn't like and something he loves. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, um, I, I'm coming out. I got to be honest. I'm coming out of this podcast we did on Tuesday with Morrow and Triple H. Um, feeling different about this show. I, I think that's the best thing that we've done that I've been a part of to this point, BC. And I think the reaction we're getting on Twitter from our fans and from new listeners as well uh, is indicative of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said it best. We've had some great, Ron. I mean, you know, our interview with Charlotte last year where Nick brought her to tears basically talking about the loss of her brother was great stuff. But uh, I don't think I've been as moved than, than, than hearing, you know, really the highs and lows, and that's who Morrow is, and he's open with that, the highs and lows in his life, the highs and lows which allow him to be such a great, great broadcaster, but also, you know, the battles he faces every day. That, that's, that's real. I mean, come on. Everything is like a, a battle to find out what's really real in this fake world. That's something right there, Adam, that is really real. For sure. And it kind of gives us an emotional attachment now to something that we're amped up about otherwise, WrestleMania weekend, I'm already excited about NXT TakeOver, but like I'm so much more excited now after talking to Triple H, sure, but Mauro Ronaldo especially. And some of the interviews we have, obviously, today, Roman freaking Reigns and AJ Styles on one episode. Pretty incredible. I have a feeling that once our listeners get done with this episode of In This Corner, they're going to be pretty damn amped up for WrestleMania 34. <laughs> and do yourselves a favor, if you are a fan of boxing, to check out our ITC Boxeo show from Monday, specifically to break down 
that heavyweight championship unification bout this weekend from Wales between Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. We're talking about good stuff there. You're going to see that fight this weekend in the States on Showtime. But I do have something to say directly to our international combat sports fans audience, including those in Canada who listen to this show. Joshua Parker features not just two sluggers at the peak of their primes for a shot at unifying three of the four major recognized heavyweight titles, but it's a showdown with undefeated WBC champ Deontay Wilder that's the likely prize for the winner and has boxing fans buzzing. If you can imagine a world with a truly undisputed heavyweight champion. I'm not talking about Chris Jericho here with two belts. I'm talking about in boxing. Saturday's fight brings us one step closer to getting there. Joshua 20-0 with 20 KOs. Parker 24-0. Never been down as a pro or amateur. Adam, you know how that cliched saying is somebody's O has got to go. So for our listeners north of the border, if you are pumped up as we are for Joshua Parker, don't miss out on your live and exclusive home to watch the bout in Canada, along with Germany, Australia, Switzerland, and Japan. That home is called DAZN at DAZN.com. That's D-A-Z-N.com. Yeah, folks, this is a sports streaming service with over a dozen additional pro leagues, and it gives you unlimited access to live, on-demand sports for just $20 a month, $150 for the entire year. And right now, Samsonites, when you sign up, you get your first month for free. So you get a free trial, and this fight is the perfect time to test it out. You simply cannot miss this Joshua Parker fight on DAZN. And if you happen to miss it live, guess what? They got it there on demand for you when you have the time to watch it. Somebody's going down in this fight, Adam Silverstein. We're going to get into wrestling, but give me one word. I sound like Jonathan Coachman here. Give me one word, Joshua or Parker this Saturday. Joshua, um, I, that's one word, and the second word I'm going to give you is dominant. There there it is. That guy's a star right there. Let's get that guy in the WWE ring, right? We want to see somebody that can match up to Brock Lesnar's size. Let's get that guy Absolutely. in there. But, hey, let's not fool around anymore. Look, where were we, 10 days out from WrestleMania 34, something like that? It's time to get down to business. This is the main event. All right, BC, WrestleMania 34, as you mentioned, about 10 days away almost at this point. And we have three matches, all of which could truly be the main event on the show. We have Brock Lesnar defending that Universal Championship against Roman Reigns, Ronda Rousey's mixed tag team match, you you know all the participants there, and AJ Styles defending the WWE title against Shinsuke Nakamura. So for this main event this week, we're going to spend the first half of it talking about those three matches, and ultimately, at the end of our conversation, which one we believe should go on last at WrestleMania 34. So BC, let's start with Lesnar and Reigns. It's obviously one of the first things we saw this week on WWE TV. Who's the big dog now in this rivalry? <laughs> Who's Vince's boy? Who's Brock's bitch? Who's the big dog? That's, uh, I mean, I busted it actually. Big dog. We're going to be talking to that guy later today. But uh, where did this go this week, Adam? You know what it did? It kind of rehashed. But I almost give you the same analysis that I gave you last week, which was, Brock brought it. Brock brought his fastball. Brock saved this segment where, unlike last week where I thought the psychology was off and it sort of set the storyline back and put it in a weird direction, I feel like we were back where we needed to be this week. It was just kind of basic, just kind of vanilla. But did you see the intensity in Brock's face? Did you see him spit in the ground after he left the ring with the belt over his shoulder? Look, he brought it. He's badass. He brought it. I was moved by that segment. I enjoyed it. But... I, I feel like you're about to crap on it, and I kind of would understand it because it's just like a rehash. It's like a second helping. 
none of our criticisms, none of my criticisms in this particular case, have anything to do with Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns. Now, I've criticized Brock in the past for not being on TV, not the angle that was most recently played out, but simply just being a universal champion and being absent and making like 10 total appearances on TV and pay-per-views over the last calendar year, right? But that's, I'm putting that away. It's WrestleMania season. He's going to be on the show every single week, Monday Night Raw, leading into WrestleMania. It has nothing to do with Brock. It has nothing to do with Roman Reigns, who legitimately has improved himself in the ring over the last three years and on the mic over the last nine months to such a level that there's no more question whether he should be the main event picture or maybe the guy that Vince and WWE hitch their wagon to. The problem is the booking. The problem is the storytelling. They had us, BC, completely hooked for two weeks on Roman Reigns, him telling the story, Brock not being there, cutting realistic promos. They completely ruined it a week ago. And this week, I didn't think they did anything to save it. Yeah, Brock was awesome. Roman was pretty good. You know, they didn't give him really much to do, Roman himself. But in his time, he was good physically. But they're ruining this storyline because there is no storyline anymore. They had created one, and they just gave up. Just to illustrate how bad they gave up, Heyman comes out and essentially says, hey, I got breaking news for you. Roman's suspension has been lifted. Well, why? Why? Why is the suspension lifted? Because he took a pretty bad beating last week when he trespassed and put his hands on U.S. Marshals? Like, you, you really just illustrated it. And overall... I'm pretty happy right now on the build to WrestleMania 34. I'm pretty fired up for a lot of reasons, not just WrestleMania. Also, New Japan, Strong Style Evolve, which we're going to get to later in the show. So I'm not going to come out here and have my opening statement be all negative. But part of the basic not-so-great run this week in the storyline, like you mentioned, was that it didn't evolve from that strong foundation. Brock doesn't care about WWE. He's probably going to UFC. He's all about himself. He's the bad guy. He's the bitch, right? All, whatever, however you want to say it. And now the last two weeks, Brock's the good guy. I, he kind of, you know, he's he's vile, but he's he's basically getting Steve Austin booking. Is it possible that in the interim he's agreed to return and they just took the storyline away That's because of that? That's what it feels like because why do you just drop the reins is suspended thing out of nowhere so now he can limp back through the okay so if he's not suspended why is he limping through the arena he came through the arena last week because he was suspended like it's just it feels like things may have changed or adam worse than that it feels like they go back to that default of we've got two stars we know this match is going to be awesome. And guys, this match is going to be awesome. Do not fool yourselves. This is not going to be Goldberg-Lesnar from WrestleMania 20. Do not fool yourselves. It's going to be awesome. But I hate when they lean on that. And and look, I don't want to spend another 15 minutes ripping them here, but this didn't go in the right direction. It, it really, Despite Brock bringing it, it just didn't. We don't need to spend another 15, but I do want to spend another three because there's one other point that I want to get out here. WWE's had 12 months, right? I mean, they've really had three years, but they've had 12 months to build this up. And they've done a pretty good job over those 12 months telling three different stories. The first one is that no one has kicked out of the F5. Yes. The second one is that no one's finisher has pinned Roman Reigns um, without something else going down. Like I think the Miz hit the finisher out of a distraction and Roman got pinned, but Roman kicked out of... Cena's finishers, bronze finisher, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line for the last 12 months. So they have that storyline worked in about one guy's finisher you can't kick out of and another guy can't be pinned by a finisher, right? That's one. Then they have the second storyline of Reigns and Lesnar being the only two guys in WWE to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, right? They have two storylines that are great that they can tell for this rivalry and they are not telling 
either of them in the final month leading up to WrestleMania. They literally spent an entire year on that finisher storyline, and they're not telling it now. Is there a chance that Paul brings it up next week and, and that's the crux of the go-home show? Maybe, but they should have been telling this. And why haven't they been? Yeah. It just it, Why spend so much time, if you're Vince McMahon, building up to this match, to the seminal moment in maybe WWE history where Roman Reigns finally truly gets crowned and not have a strong storyline to back it up? Makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Right, look, nothing else to say. That you just summed it up perfectly. We need to acquit, uh, acquit from this storyline. They got one more week to win us over, but it's a little bit mind-boggling when this could and maybe should be your main event or at least the brightest part of your marquee when you consider the two guys at stake in the title. But let's get well, let's into... Not tease the, let's not tease the bag. We're getting to that at the end of this main event segment, and, and Let's get into what... Really, I thought was the best of the week in, in in Raw and SmackDown, at least, and that was how they presented Ronda Rousey. And Adam, it'd been some hot and cold at times. Last week, we saw both hot and cold with Rousey's sit-down interview and then the Dana Brooks skirmish. This week, two for two on Raw on the storyline advancing that Triple H and Stephanie sit down, which was their own version, their own answer to what Rousey and Kurt Angle did last week. Adam, you don't see segments in WWE done Better than that, they played the spoiled rich kid's role to, to perfection. Yeah, it's a seventh inning home run to take the lead. Like it's it's didn't end it, didn't end the game. That has to be saved for the go home show and for WrestleMania. But this gave them everything they needed to take to to win us back if they had lost us at all. I guess that's the best way to possibly put it. This is exactly want to see. I think I said last week on the show, BC Ronda Rousey's a beast, right? She's a badass. I want to see her tap someone out and submit them and do what she is capable of doing. Now, did I think Mandy Rose sold it particularly well? No, she didn't even tap. She just kind of yelled a little bit. But we finally saw Ronda. Is that an armbar? Is that what it was, even though it was bent? It, it looked like a, she was trying to get into her traditional M MMA armbar, but it, originally it wasn't. But uh, it was certainly in, the, in that vein. Well, regardless, she did it. It was great. Kurt had to like coax her off of her and get her to calm down almost in Brock Lesnar-esque fashion. Um, and that's, again, you mentioned it, but not even counting the incredible uh, promo vignette segment, whatever you want to call it, with Triple H and Stephanie, which followed an equally incredible one last week with Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle. They are booking this angle correctly. Oh, yeah. So t the tri best part for Triple H and Steph was that they really explained their situation. Ronda explained her motivations properly last week, including really good raw stuff about crying, about, you know, the, 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 really the disappointment she faced when her UFC career fell apart. Well, Triple H and Steph did their own, and they did it perfectly in the sense that, like, hey, after we beat her, we're just going to repackage her and get her out there and use her, essentially, like we use everybody else. I think they use the word humble, but they're, they're basically saying, we, we play puppeteer, we use people. They brought that in perfectly, the storyline, and then it was really backed by that physical altercation. And, and you said what you would about Mandy Rose about there, but I like that for how they are not necessarily advancing Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns when they need to. The addition of Absolution, which this segment was really set up to give Ronda shine in the end, but it also gave Absolution quite a rub to be on that level. It's not. It's not, probably not something that we will see again in this specific storyline, but at the very least, you could plan a seed for the future to have Ronda Rousey feud against this entire faction, specifically Paige, while we may never see Paige in the ring against Ronda because of her own uh, injuries that, that seemed to threaten her career. Seeing Paige on the mic across from her was great. Seeing them get that rub was great. Hey, I'd like to see them go, you know, reactivate this and go back to this again. 
it was fantastic. And outside of Paige calling Rhonda baby girl seven times, which like two would have been enough, you know, that, that's <laughs> fine. Um, that's, I want to see that. Like, I know we're not going to, unfortunately, because of Paige's uh, injury status with her neck, but I want to see Paige Ronda Rousey more than anything else, maybe like immediately after, right? Like that would be truly fantastic. So I know you never doubted Ronda, right? But you knew I was gung ho, 100% all in. I, I've never had any doubt. Do you f have you come around to feeling the same way in terms of all the things we've discussed? She's learning, and she told us this in an interview. You're gonna, you know, we'll have a story about Ronda Rousey leading into WrestleMania, but she's literally learning in front of the world where everyone else gets to learn behind closed doors. She's learning to cut promos for the first time in front of 10,000 people, not in classes. And she's learning to wrestle and perform those moves in short spurts without ever really having a complete match, though maybe she has in practice that we haven't seen. I am so completely impressed with her, and I don't understand why people are not. Uh, not you, other people. They're not because... Well, let's, I'll tell you, there's two reasons why they're not, right? Because WWE led with her weakest part, which was her promo ability, right? And I Agreed. thought this week was fine. I thought they presented her as the badass she needed to. I thought her facial expression at the end when Angle was trying to get her off Mandy Rose was everything you needed. That was perfect. But that's why people don't like her. But that's also pre... That's also prerequisite by the idea that so many people turned on her as a public figure because she was so... When she was on top, she was almost like a heel. She's America's babyface as the UFC champion, triggering this, you know, women's revolution both in sports and then eventually in WWE in the same way. Yet she always talked trash to her opponents. There were times she wouldn't shake their hands after the match. Like, she acted like a heel. So when she was finally chopped down and she wouldn't face the music in interviews afterwards and, and she's talking to the extremes of, like, suicide on Ellen, there were a lot of people who had the right fuel to turn on her. And then to see her walk into WWE and see the worst part about her front and center that that's still giving people the fuel they need. But no, I have the confidence certainly physically. And I think WWE's done a nice job of putting out these web exclusive videos that are showing the work she's doing in the performance center, in the practice rings. And it, even though look, that's not a real match at WrestleMania, I get that, but it's showing you the fluidity, the, the, the experience in judo and taking a fall, how she can, I mean, look, Ronda was doing judo throws in MMA, which take, some footwork and sequence to like it's a dance right in the middle of a fight to be able to do that and take somebody off their feet so perfectly she's got that backdrop she will get better on the mic sometimes though adam it's not so much about her getting better on the mic but the booking putting her in spots to succeed and we specifically asked her hey look you've played healer baby in real life in the past as as an mma celebrity did did you have a preference coming in here and it sounded to me you you heard my interview with her that she kind of would have preferred a heel and i think we'll see her there one day my opinion of Rousey can probably, at least through the first few weeks that she's been on WWE TV, coming out of the Royal Rumble and that break that she had, it's very simple, BC. Ronda Rousey has it in spades. Let's move on to the third part of the first part of our main event, Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, Tuesday night, BC. I think we saw some storyline development there that, in my opinion, has been long time coming, a long time coming. It was. I'm not going to say it's great. And, I, and again, I'm not here to be a hater, but SmackDown Live is really not moving me. It's We're still in that mode. But it was something to chew on, at least. I, I kind of like the idea that we have two babies faces here, two beloved guys who have this back history. So you don't need to necessarily turn one heel and force that. And they're not. It's kind of an interesting storyline of, hey, you know, Nakamura saying, AJ, get my back in this match because I want to preserve our match. And it goes back to Nakamura 
saying I'm not going to attack you. It's kind of, you know, it's great. It's something. It's something to chew on. But, Adam, this feud, which from the SmackDown side has the potential clearly to be the best match the blue brand could provide. Okay, maybe you argue the tag team match could, could be a better rating. But, no, no, this one could be epic. It's it's really getting buried. I mean, it's really getting buried, not just from the Daniel Bryan storyline, but even from, like, the, you know, the, the U.S. title. Main. Like, it's just sort of not getting the shine that it deserves. Well, it's basically the same thing they did with the WWE title a year ago, you know, where uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt were the, I don't have the card in front of me, but, like, the fifth to last match or something like that. Now, now granted, in ring ability-wise, storytelling-wise, this is, you know, I, oh, sorry, in-ring ability-wise, this is way beyond that one. That was more of a storytelling match, and we obviously don't didn't like what happened in it. But I think they told more of a story with Nakamura and Styles on Tuesday night than they have in the months since he won the Royal Rumble with Nakamura asking Styles to be in his corner, sure, but also telling him, basically, Styles, man, you need to calm down. You're getting <laughs> way too emotional. He's basically playing the Naito role He's tranquilo. Great, like, Nakamura is, hey, I'm one up on you, buddy. I beat you in the main event already once in NJPW. It's, you know, you're the one that's stressed out. I'm here ready to win the WWE title. And by the way, BC, Nakamura didn't cut one good promo last night, or Tuesday night, I should say. He cut two. And where the hell did that come from? Like, <laughs> why has he not been able to do that in the past? Did WWE just let him freeform it? Did they specifically write something and have him truly memorize it and repeat it so he got the English perfect. I don't know what the answer is, BC, but he spoke three or four good lines on Tuesday night, and they all completely worked. Yeah, that's a great way to sum it up. And I, I would like to think they're giving him more room to be himself, which will help his character. But, you know, his character does sort of connect to the tranquil, you know, sort of way of looking at it. So it's a smart way to go that. And certainly him pulling up early on the Kinsasha right when you're thinking – Maybe he's going to follow through, you know, like Finn Balor did to Seth Rollins this week, which was a similar type of build with two baby faces who have been friendly. They didn't this time. And I I think, look, it's something to work with. Let's see more of it. Let's see it close the show on SmackDown in in something that matters. No question. I completely agree. So that brings us to the overall question that we wanted to discuss here in the main event. Out of these three matches, and and let's be honest, it's going to be one of these three that we just discussed, right? It, it's not going to be Daniel Bryan in that tag team match. It's not going to be either of the women's singles matches. We don't think. They could put Oscar Charlotte Flair on last, but it just doesn't seem like it's been built up enough to possibly do that. So out of these three matches, which one do you think will go on last? And separately, which one do you think should go on last? I still have to give you what should. I still think... Brock and Roman should because you're building something. This is a a topic we will get into Roman later in the show, but you're building something that Roman is your star of this era, not for the company this year, but this era. He's your Cena from last decade. He has main evented three WrestleManias in a row. By the way, in spots where you some of those you could have argued, or maybe really one of them last year, you could have argued didn't need to be and maybe shouldn't have been in that spot. I get why they did it. No title on the line. You didn't need it to this year. The main title that WWE cares about at the moment is on the line. Let him have a chance to do it four years in a row. I get why you would do Rousey, Adam. And you said, what will they do? I think there's a 40% chance, in my opinion, WWE does put Rousey on at the end to send for the idea of sending fans home happy rather than to see them booing Reigns. But here's the thing. You've been ride or die, WWE, that you don't care if they boo or cheer Reigns, right? WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. 
Pretty good match with Triple H that got no respect because the show went too long. He stood up over there with the belt. They showered him with booze. But well, they cared was... at 31 BC. Well, they cared certainly at 31, but because but cause Rollins took him home. You know what I mean? But with Reigns taking them home, you got to go ride or die. If you're going to build a whole year for him to beat Brock Lesnar, then it's big enough that it's got to close the damn show. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I think I understand why people don't want it there or think that WWE may not put it there. And it's basically what you said. What if Roman gets booed again? Right. But if the match is that good, I think people are far enough. I I don't believe people are fully firmly in Reigns camp right now. Right. I still think it's 50, 50. If in a few years ago, it was 25, 75. So they've repaired him some, but not all the way, not as much as they have wanted to. and, And it should be at this point, but I think I'd rather go home with Roman Reigns with the WWE title, at the end, whether something happens in the match that he turns heel, if he turns heel Monday night, or if he doesn't at all, and they just say, screw it, that's the way we're going to go with it. I'd rather have that than Ronda Rousey and, four, I, I don't know his exact age, but like 48-year-old Kurt Angle and Triple H, <laughs> and Stephanie McMahon, who's not a wrestler, who will probably do fine in the match, but is not a wrestler. That be your final match on WrestleMania? No way. So the only other option, in my opinion is AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, which they would do to make sure the fans go home happy and truly put the most athletic wrestling match at the end of the show. I just don't see how WWE can do that when, except for this Tuesday night, it wasn't even main eventing SmackDown. Yeah, and, and the only way they would do that, and look, they're not going to do that. you got about a 6% chance that they would, if you're looking for one, is if they're setting up for AJ against Roman next year, and it's like, let's give AJ that go-home moment. He's guaranteed to get chairs, right? Guaranteed to go home happy. Well, Roman's going over Brock. He's going to have the title. He's our star, but let's set up his guy for next year. Don't think that's going to happen, though. Oh, whoa, what's, what's going on here, Kentucky Wrong Rifle? <laughs> we got a bonus DM slide from Eric at Ribsauce. He wrote a pretty long one, but I trimmed it down. BC, how many WrestleMania matches do you think fans are truly emotionally invested, and here's the key, in who wins? The only match he thinks will, he'll actually get upset about is if Asuka loses. There's people who he would like to win, like Rusev, but there's no story that he's completely invested in. He thinks the card is full of matches that will be great, he just doesn't care who wins any of them. Do you feel the same way? You know, I didn't want I didn't want to get the cynical side of me activated for the show because I want to be all happy. We just talked to Morrow. We got Roman and AJ in this episode, but he's damn right, Adam, and you know he's right. I felt that last year, too, on the Build of Mania. It was strong, but I didn't have the emotional connection. I actually did for AJ and Shane, and they surprised me, and they won me over. But this year, how many do I really care about who's going to win and that's the like Cody Kenny gonna be honest with you I care about who's going to win they got me caring about that not enough for this card Adam and rib sauce not enough and that's a heck of a question some of that is the booking some of that is look Adam we know Rousey's going to win and by the way she could lose and do a fun storyline off of that but we know Rousey's going to win we know Roman's going to win Probably no AJ's going to win. So some of that takes out of that. Who do I, who am I personally invested in when I look at this card Oscar whether she wins or loses Bliss and Jax, if they jack, jack up that storyline a little bit, you know, continue going that direction. And The Miz. I want to see The Miz break this IC title record, and I want to see him continuing moving upward. Emotionally, should I care about anything else outside of, like, maybe Cruiserweights because I bought in on what's going on in 205? I think fans... I mean, Dan really O'Brien. Ca- Sorry, Dan O'Brien. Yes, Dan O'Brien all the way. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you, you stole my thunder there. Um, so I, I'm way less cynical than you on this point. Um I think fans do care about a lot of the matches. 
Not all of them. There's certainly some that, like, you, the, fans should really care who wins Lesnar Reigns, and I don't think they do. And they should probably really care who wins Styles Nakamura, except it really doesn't matter because they're going to go home happy either way as long as it's a good match. So for me, it's Asuka. They want to see Asuka win and get coronated because she has not been on the main roster. I think they badly want to see Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle win. People forget, Kurt Angle is massively over. And Ronda Rousey may not completely be yet in terms of the way that WWE wants her to get the reaction, but she will be at WrestleMania if she and Kurt Angle have a good match against Triple H and Steph and win it. And I think the Intercontinental Triple Threat match, like you just said, people care. They, they're fans of The Miz, they're fans of Rollins, they're fans of Balor. You could make an argument that that match may have, it may not be the best match, I think it could be, that will have the best top-to-bottom reaction throughout because there's three wrestlers who different sections of the audience deeply care about throughout. So I disagree. I do agree that not every match has that, but rare is that the case. I think it's a WrestleMania card that people do care about, and I think they've built it overall pretty well, despite the fact that I often complain about minute details and storylines. Wow, this guy getting his egg sunny side up. This guy, the Silver King, I like this change of heart right there. You're like, no, no, BC, shut the heck up. This card's awesome, and I care, and it's still real to me, damn it. Hey, I'll, I'll, come on, I'll take it. I just find it funny that I spend half of every episode, maybe 65%, excited about wrestling and like and really happy with things WWE and other companies are doing, and people criticize me that you never say anything good, and all you do is complain. Well, I'm sorry I tell the truth, and like 40 45% of the time, I think stuff sucks, but guess what? Why don't you concentrate on the 60, 65%? If you guys are optimists, then listen to the things that I say I like and just listen to those and you can ignore the stuff I don't like if, if that's how you need to consume your wrestling knowledge. Wow. Wow. Realer words have never been spoken there by the <laughs> heel Silver King who just turned back right in front of our eyes. Right? Tried, <laughs> tried to shine up the baby face for a second. He's like, nah, nah. He's like, nah, I'm not having this. But uh, That was a 30-second double turn. BC, let's uh, finish up this main event with our second part. NJPW, Strong Style Evolved, Long Beach, California. You know, I watched that show this week. I think you did too. Neither of us watched it live, but we made sure to catch up on it before the show. I was pretty happy. I was pretty impressed, especially with the main event, the Golden Lovers taking on the Young Bucks. Break it down for us. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, I don't know if you can hear that guttural deep sound inside of me right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow. I almost well, I almost took that one like a little bit too far. Right there. All right. Let me, let me put it put it back together here. Um, Look, Bullet Club is not fine. I repeat, Bullet Club is not <laughs> fine. But Adam, this match was awesome. I throw out your hyperbole. Tell me what you got. I, I'll just start on this level of hyperbole. This is the best match of 2018. Show me one that was better. Show me. Do you have any other high? You, you want to take the hyperbole higher? Adam, this was so good. I mean, it wasn't, but it was really good. Oh, but it was right, not right. the best name, match of 2018. Name one. Name a 2018 match you've seen that's better than this. Almas Gargano. All right. That was the only card in your deck, by the way, that was going to make me stop. I, th well, I think this was better, but I get it. I get on. it. All right. Let's not get down that road. Look, this was awesome. And I got to tell you. And you kind of called me out for it offline, and I think you were right. For me being the Revolution guy, I wasn't fired up for Strong Style Evolved. I don't think they put together the best possible card they could have in this situation. And this was their chance, their infomercial to the United States, right? Airing live on US TV, even though I don't get that channel. Adam Silverstein nope. doesn't get that channel just for the record. It's probably why I didn't watch it live, but... This is their infomercial and their chance to do it. And they did, they went, they were a little too NJPW in the sense that not enough singles matches, too many group matches that didn't 
showcase necessarily what they could have, okay? So that didn't have me fired up. In fact, we didn't even preview this on the show last week, and that was my decision. I'm, the, I'm your revolution guy, but it did maybe the lack of like a Jericho Naito, it didn't hook me. But any of that be damned, Adam. Put those words, bury them. Bury them under Bray Wyatt's prayer shack, okay? that, that That's uh, Randy Orton light the match right now because this match... It's it was just spectacular, and it wasn't just an NJPW like spot fest. I think this was the tag team version of Omega Okada One, which is you know arguably yes, I'll say it right now that's the best wrestling match I've ever seen. This match wasn't let's say as good as that, but you know what this was, Adam. A lot of times when you have superstar tag team matches at a big pay-per-view, even WWE, let's say, in the main event. Sometimes, unless the storyline's juicy, your automatic reactions go, oh, okay, tag team? Because you know, take one, take the best worker from either tag team in an epic singles match, go a half hour, you could have gold. This was one of those rare tag team matches that was just friggin' epic, gold, one move after another, but not gratuitous in, in the spot fest. One, the spots were incredibly creative, and of course they were violent and ridiculous, and hey, did that guy just break his neck? Is he crippled for life? Like, we had a lot of those moments. But two, Adam, and most importantly, it's everything that they did tied into the storyline, the uneasiness of Kenny going against his brothers, yet has... His his man, Kenny, you know, Kota Ibushi on his other arm and the and where he's torn in that. I mean, you caught them feels, right? Oh, absolutely. With Nick on Kenny's not his side, but trying to somewhat protect Kenny most of the match. Matt being just having no emotion whatsoever for Kenny, ready to beat him down, telling him to hit him with the one winged angel, telling him to uh knock him out with the clothesline or the V trigger actually is what it was. Um, they told the being the elite and long term storyline that involves Cody extremely well throughout this entire match. And I'll say this, you know, I've criticized the young bucks on the podcast and off the podcast for their match style. That's not to say I don't like them. I do. That's not to say I don't think they're great in the ring. I do. But in general, I don't like the fact that so many of their moves are so fantastic that they could all be finishers, but none of them are. And to me, it's a little too much. And I know there's some independent or you know non-WWE wrestling styles that are like that. And if we ever interview them, that's a question I'd love to ask them is, you know, do you take that into consideration? Or do you think that people who think that way are, are ill-informed about what pro wrestling is today? But that's just how I feel. So I went into the match excited to see Kenny and Coda, but not totally thrilled about what the match would be. Well, shut my mouth because I watched a 45-minute <laughs> epic tag team match with four of the best workers in the world today. I have a definitely a new appreciation for the young bucks. Even if I don't necessarily think every match should be like that, that match needed to be like that. And it played off extremely well Wow. In BC. This is strong style. This is Kota Ibushi. This is strong style. This is Kota Ibushi. Uh, this guy, this guy's my favorite wrestler in the world. How I no one can argue that if you want to stand on the like I, I stood on this mountaintop before said Omega's not only the best wrestler in the world right now but I made that argument I still believe in that we won't know it till the end but you can't tell me right now I'm not watching when I look at Kenny Omega the best to ever do it but you could just as easily counter that by saying no right now Coda is the best wrestler in the world and one that's why this tag team's so great but two that's a big part why this match was so damn epic. And when I teased off the top about the hyperbole, you got people saying this is the greatest tag team match that ever happened, Adam. And 
It's tough to say that. It's so tough to say that. But this was that epic Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, one style high wire show that you don't always see in a tag team match at this type of level. You may see that at certain indie shows when there's not as much on the line as this. But look, it's a valuable show for NJPW on American TV. This was also the setup, the 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 final toss to Cody Kenny next week at Ring of Honor Supercard in New Orleans, which is kind of like, until the all-in show, like the American Indie Super Bowl, right? That's the American Indie WrestleMania in, in some ways. I, I know ROH has other big cards throughout the year as well, but... This was a big deal, and I think this tag team match delivered on levels that, I'm sorry, tag team main events never do, Adam. They're never this good. It really did deliver. I thought, that, like I said earlier, I thought the storytelling was great. Just when you think about greatest tag team match of all time, there's so many others that pop into my head that I'd have to see you know, back-to-back with this one to, to tell you whether it is or not. I just don't necessarily think it is because as, great, as good of the story, as the storyline is, there's others that have been way longer and and way more in depth that have been told. What do you mean throughout longer? Stories. A longer match? Is that what you no saying? no no longer storylines over months over over you know that culminate in an epic match in WWE or otherwise. And but it's in some ways to- though. In some ways, this is part of the larger. Cody joined the Bullet Club and was it uneasy is. and Kenny. It so it, that's why it's it's great. So it, that's that's a decent counter in that. It's just tough. Like I, I'm, I literally just think immediately back to the Authors of Pain DIY and Revival Triple yes. Threat, and I was in attendance for that. Maybe that's why it was a little bit different. But I had never seen anything like that before. So you know what that one was? Okay, so typically the best tag team matches of all time are the ones where the continuity and the of traditional style tags. I'm talking like Rock and Roll Express, Midnight, you know, Midnight Express, that style. Like maybe the best modern version of that was from the NXT Takeover Toronto show Survivor Series week in 2016, right? When it was DIY against uh The Revival. Like that was oh, that epic. Was incredible. And that led into the match you just talked about which was kind of a mixture of that match we just mentioned and this match from Sunday because it mixed the built-in storyline with the epic spots. But this was a different kind of tag team match, and it may have been, at the very least, the best version of this sort. I don't think there are a lot of great tag team matches that have been this high-flying, yet had the backdrop of the storyline. So, look, call it what you will. It was amazing, but the key, Adam, was Cody played such a big part in it, yet he was very little in it. And I think they did properly tease it forward for next week because I loved when Cody came in stood between the Bucks, were, were mad at them, and then that bled into the being the Elite episode, which uh, you, I didn't get a chance to see it, but you're telling me what, Cody's trying to se- separate those two? Yeah, I mean, Cody's basically trying to get, you know, kayfabe boys and storyline in Matt's head to say, hey, Matt, you know, you're, you're the strongest of the two Bucks. You should be a single star. And, and Matt's obviously dealing with the back injury. He fought through that back injury during the entire match, like basically dared Cody, I mean, uh, Kenny, to take him out and just end it um, and, and be the mean guy, you know, be the quote-unquote guy that turns on the bullet club um whereas nick the entire match was really trying to protect cody i mean uh, kenny i don't know why i keep messing that up trying to protect kenny and say hey um matt why don't you ease up on him let's not use the table spot you know let, let's do this so it, it seems to me like they're going to be building towards something where matt and cody somewhat team up and uh kenny and nick somewhat team oh, up and you great. not only have a split in the bullet club but a sp- split in the young bucks oh, so yeah. they're telling a really really interesting storyline right now Um, And I think they deserve a ton of credit for it. It has me more excited for Supercard of Honor than I otherwise would have been. It still doesn't change my mind, BC, about us going to see NXT TakeOver, but it does make it a lot closer where I say, like, you know what, before, 
it was a no-brainer for me. Now it's a really tough decision. And by the way, you screw up the names because it's pretty absurd that this love triangle or or match triangle is Kenny, Cody, and Coda. Like, how could you not screw that? <laughs> by the way, shout out to Matt Jackson for wearing the Hollywood Hogan uh, weightlifting belt. Like, that's just fantastic. So that's another thing. So you did miss that in being the elite as well. But in being the elite, Cody gifted everyone in Bullet Club, at least the Americans in Bullet Club that were at the show, um, plus Marty, um, those belts. So every single one of them has one. The only one who wore it was Matt. Oh, that's so good. And before we get off this topic, we don't we don't really uh, play that that we don't really play that song enough. But come on, that was so good. Ah, oh, fired up, fired up. One other thing I want to say before we get off this move to Hero Zero: Did you watch the Jay White Hangman Page match? I did. Our, our, our great listener Omar El Rashid from Down Under said, "Look, you got to give." Jay White a chance. You've been all over him, rightfully so. You got to give him a chance. He's turned the corner. I think he kind of turned the corner in this match. I think Omar might be right on with this. I felt the exact opposite. That's really funny. I was bringing it up to actually to give Hangman Page a lot of credit. He's incredible. I thought I thought Hangman Page maybe stole the show in terms of selling and everything he did in that match. I thought Jay White almost killed him four times, and I really. <laughs> Just don't like him at all. I, I guess I'm leaning more towards the presence and how he carries the character because we all felt the push was a little bit unwarranted and, and unjustified, and, and now he's going, he's playing uphill, basically, you know? I, I think it was better, at least, than it was. Like, not fully around, not where I necessarily believe him in the spot, but he seems to have a better handle at that character. And the best thing is going for him is that look. So, you know, let's see. There were legitimately do. spots where JR and Barnett, like, didn't know what to say because they thought Hangman might be, might be dead because that's how... <laughs> Jay White, that's how careless Jay White was, it seemed, in some of his moves. I, I mean, he, he got dropped on his head like four times. He he almost landed headfirst on the ring apron and luckily missed it completely. Like, I, I was literally sitting up on my couch like, stop. Like, I don't want to see this anymore. That's how scared I was. Or that's how good Hangman Page sold it, and I just got worked into a shoot. Sasha Banks style, by the way. Remember that run she had where she could make it look like she's crippled, like, everywhere, you know, every week and then be fine the next week? All right, that'll wrap up. The main event, we were got me fired up. But now, let's get to the quick hitters here. All right, we're going to try. We're going to attempt to do a lightning round of Hero Zero. We got a lot of show left. BC, let's start with you. Daniel Bryan on Tuesday, he decided to give another chance to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn booking a WrestleMania tag team match with the stipulation that if the best friends beat Bryan and Shane McMahon, they get reinstated to SmackDown. All the while, by the way, Shane McMahon seems doubtful, if unlikely totally, to compete at WrestleMania after suffering with a bout of diverticulitis. Does this make any sense, Hero Zero? I mean, we laugh because it seemed like, yeah, it seemed like that was a real-life storyline that he got flown from Antigua to New York from vacation to— I think it was. I think it was real. It's Yeah, I mean, the picture he, he sent on Instagram from the hospital with the sun seems real. It just leads you to believe that it's not serious enough to miss this or that Shane, who's friggin' insane, let's never forget that, jumps off of cages, right? Maybe is like the show must go on. I'm going to give this a slight hero because at first I was sort of like— so they're just reinstated just like that. And Shane's in this match when it didn't look like he was going to be there. But you know what? Daniel Bryan coming out and cutting that promo on the stage, like with the new T-shirt, which looks pretty cool. Uh, he's got me back. And the fact that they added this stipulation that the jobs are on the line, it really does add something to this match. So I'm going to give it a hero when 
maybe I would like to have seen something different, him face off against them, something this week. He wanted himself with that promo, and this does sort of make you have to question where the booking is going forward. Are these guys just going to get fired and have to switch brands? Or, you know, what's really happening? Is this going to lead to Shane and Daniel Bryan having some issues? A lot, lot of directions this could go. Yeah, I'm giving it a zero just because, like, we, we discussed earlier in the podcast and previous episodes, if Daniel Bryan comes back, does it save the entire storyline? And we both said yes, but it doesn't necessarily make it good. Well, it saved the storyline, but it doesn't necessarily make it good. Like, that's what's come to fruition here. The storyline doesn't make sense. It doesn't – why Shane would wrestle in this match, I'm told the diverticulitis is real and they're, and they're not lying about this. Well, if that's the case, like Brock Lesnar nearly died, right? How the hell is Shane going to be prepared in two weeks to wrestle at WrestleMania? The only thing I can think is they have him do minimal work and maybe there's a heel turn from Shane. He sides with them. But even if he did that, storyline-wise, I don't know how it would make sense. I will use the word. It's too convoluted to be a hero. Uh, you know, my only thing is I did like that one line Daniel Bryan had about how deep he goes with these guys. And because he had the history and the friendship, he wanted to give them another chance. That shows you he's not done being a heel sympathizer. That's going to create that final wedge between him and Shane. So, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating some good stuff here. By the way, Daniel's been incredible since he's been back on the mic. I mean, since he's been since he's announced his return, his promos on the mic with KO and Sammy. And then this one this week were incredible. But the best part of this entire storyline has been Sammy and KO changing their Twitter handles and online presences back to El Generico and Kevin Steen. And I really thought that was going to be part of Raw. I mean, SmackDown. I thought they were going to show up as, you know, I mean, KO looks the same. He just wouldn't have Owens on his shirt. And and Sammy in the mask, and they'd come through the crowd and attack Brian. I really thought that was going to happen. So maybe my expectations were too high. Maybe that's something to, to watch out for at Mania. Number two, Hero or Zero, Adam. Friends turned enemies turned. Where the heck are they now? Oh, we know where they are now. Sasha Banks and Bailey brawled in the locker room during a backstage Raw segment, only for us to find out this feud is going to continue at the Don't Call It Moolah inaugural women's battle royal at WrestleMania. Hero or zero to the landing of this feud? So the feud itself and the work that's been done is a hero. This being in the women's battle royal is as big of a zero as I could possibly give it. I don't understand why they built up one of the top three or four potential WWE rivalries that legitimately, BC, could have main-evented a pay-per-view, a payoff between these two, or a a major pay-per-view. This could main-event SummerSlam, and you know what? Maybe it still will. Maybe I'm just rushing to judgment. But to have this payoff initially be in a battle royal that might be on the kickoff show at WrestleMania... Give me a break. If you saw their match in NXT, you know how good they are together. You know how good a heel Sasha Banks can be. Zero. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to take that side and just go zero. If I'm going to play Powers of Positivity, I say they need one dominant must-see storyline to make this women's battle royal not just the male Andre the Jobber equivalent. So if if this is that foundation... I don't hate it completely, although, yes, this should be a a one-on-one match. And by the way, this had A.C. Slater, Zach Morris, say by the bell feels in terms of the fight with the intensity in front of the locker. I mean, they went from zero to 60 in a hurry. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, just clarifying. Nothing against them. It's just like Reigns and Lesnar. Love them. Love the work they did. Good promos, good interactions. Storyline sucks. B.C., Moving on, number three here is zero. John Cena clowned The Undertaker again on Monday night, mocking his mannerisms while defeating Kane to close 
Raw, that's 50-year-old Kane, mayoral candidate in Tennessee. Let's not forget that. By the way, still no taker. Two weeks after Mania, here are zero. And speaking of mailing Katie Vick. Uh, that's, my, that's my take, Adam. Zero. I'm done. I'm so done. I'm so done with Kane in the main event of Raw. And I'm sorry, although I liked the mo- mocking of the taker mannerisms to a degree until John just kept going back to the well. You know what? I'm not with you. I'm not with you anymore, WWE, because we're going to see Taker next week, right? Like, we know we're getting there, and that they pretty much have done nothing but annoy us to get there. And Cena is now annoying me. It's a zero. I told you, I mean, I said I'm 65% positive, but this is three straight zeros on here or zero. It's a zero for basically the reasons you said. Why not tease us? Why not have the gong or the lightning or the American Badass song hit and Kane tombstones him and pins him? Like, why not do something like just advance the storyline somehow? I don't need to see Kane wrestling a 15 minute main event match two weeks before WrestleMania. It doesn't make sense. And I don't need John Cena in the main event of Raw if The Undertaker is not going to be there this far out. Come on. Like, hey, Mark Calloway, John actually was right. Give us something, bro. And the do something. Real ride will be your last I really wish that was this last ride. All right, let's get out of here. Hero or zero number four. Rusev on SmackDown Live has been added to the fatal four-way United States title match at WrestleMania. And per your own calculations to me, that now makes 10 of 14 matches at WrestleMania 34 that will be multi-person and just four singles matches. Hero or zero. So I actually took that off the rundown after the fact, BC, because I miscalculated. So I'm going to give those correct numbers in a moment. That's not your fault. It's completely my fault. Uh, It's a hero because this match had nothing going for it. And at least now they have one of the most over guys on the entire roster in a match that matters at WrestleMania. And BC, Rusev should win the U.S. title at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know if this whole thing is a hero, though, because it's just another convoluted match I don't care about. So, you know what? Yeah, I thought I was going to be positive this week. I'm not going to be positive this week, okay? It's a big, fat zero. All right, well, before we move on, I want to give the proper number. So I did the math. I I put my Dana Brooke uh, blouse, I guess, on for WrestleMania. Here are the numbers. There's 37 wrestlers on this card outside of the Battle Royals, assuming those are 30 and 20, respectively. That means there's going to be 87 wrestlers on a six and a half hour WrestleMania card. Sounds crazy, right? Here's last year's numbers. 71 wrestlers with a 33-man battle royal. Last year, there were seven one-on-one matches. This year, if John Cena and The Undertaker is booked, there will actually be six, five of them with titles on the line. And there were 13 total matches last year, 14 this year, with the difference being the women's battle royal. Okay, those are the numbers, BC. Here's number five on Hero or Zero. Let's just talk the Fatal 4-Way main event at 205 Live and the Cedric Alexander-Mustafa Ali interview segment that was a major part of this show. Is 205 Live now a better weekly watch than SmackDown, Hero or Zero? Hero. Straight up a hero. And it's mind-boggling to think that, but it's so true. And again, it's not because SmackDown's been awful. It's because it's just been so vanilla. And that it is what it is. It's just matches that don't really advance anything. And we talked on our bonus NXT pod just how much we love 205. Just how good Triple H is doing with it. Just the direction it's going. We don't need to rehash that. But just watch this episode and watch this fatal four-way match. Buddy Murphy is a star. And this match, Adam, 
for a Tuesday night, like not even a stipulation at stake, just your main event to try to get somebody a title contender. This match was like near perfection. I mean, these guys sold out, and it wasn't in that. Just like I said, the NJPW match doesn't it wasn't just spot for spot for no reason. There was creativity to these spots. How could you not be fired up after watching this? And you know, in that Alexander interview, it's hard to present two baby faces and get you fired up. Yet they did it because it's personality and it worked. I mean, for anything negative, I just said this whole show. I take it all back. I'm fired up for 205 Live. Yeah, you're 100% right. And that just goes to show they need to do the exact same thing next week with Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, whether pre-taped in the middle of the ring, whatever the case, that is how you book that match. That's how you sell that match. And that is how you sell the cruiserweight match, which I still think is going to be on the kickoff show at WrestleMania, but I'm extremely excited for it. BC, that fatal four-way was incredible. Buddy Murphy, Kalisto, Akira Tozawa, and TJP. Buddy Murphy has it in spades, man. Like, not even a question. And I'm going to steal something. I, I saw it on Reddit, on the Squared Circle Reddit. Someone proposed this, and I want to get your opinion, right? We love Kenny Omega. Nick loves Kenny Omega. And I don't want to put too much air in Buddy Murphy's sales, okay? But couldn't WWE just create their own Kenny Omega out of Buddy Murphy? I, if you look at him, uh, from the first day, I kind of got those feels. It feels like they're trying to almost mirror that. I mean, it's not it's not uh, Rick Titan fake uh, Diesel necessarily, but it's uh, it's look, it's putting this guy that was a forgotten tag team member in the best foot forward to succeed. And hey, Adam, I think you kind of ripped me last week when I or the week before when I said Buddy Murphy should be the guy at Mania winning this winning this championship, winning this cruiserweight belt. Well, I, mean, I still I, no, I still hold that opinion because he's not 205 pounds. And if you want to have a cruiserweight division, then your champion needs to be under the weight limit. Like, I, I don't care how many times you fake weigh him in on TV. The guy's like 230 and he's like four inches taller nah, than everyone K-fabe. else in the division. Kayfabe, this guy's fantastic. I, he's I, great. He's, he's great. I, I, just, I, I would prefer him get a real push as a mid-carder on one of the shows as opposed to up above. Remember five Nick's man crush for Kenny Omega? I got a man crush for this guy, Buddy Murphy, right here, okay? I mean, fi- maybe, maybe Nick and I can double date him and Alexa Bliss. I mean, I'm just fired, fired up for this. <laughs> <laughs> who, who dates him, you? <laughs> I don't know. Well, come on. Gold, uh, golden lovers. We don't have to get into the specifics here, but, you know, let's but let's hear from the universe, though. I mean, the universe. Look, uh, what am I, Michael Cole? What am I, Michael the Cole? Samsonites. The, we want to hear from, from the Samsonites. The Samsonites here. Let's hear what they have to say this week when we slide in those DMs. <laughs> All right. What do we got this week from the for the people by the people? All right. First one has a great name and great Twitter handle from very dumb Mark at Jobber Glorified. Come on that. I mean, I love that. He wants to know, BC, what was any of that Dolph Ziggler stuff worth if he can't even slide into the U.S. title match at WrestleMania at this rate? That's blossoming into one of the dumbest booking moves of the last year. Uh, how do you how do you argue this? It's it's bad. You know, it doesn't mean anything now because Dolph resigned. And the only reason why he originally got the US title was cuz he complained on the Edge and Christian podcast that they're doing nothing with him and he wants to leave the company. It's like I mean, look, I got a piece coming out on CBS Sports that essentially just rebooks WrestleMania. With all the all the pawns on the chessboard, how would you do it differently? And I actually struggled with Dolph. You know, I said, well, you can put him in there against Randy Orton for the U.S. title, and it'd be a pretty damn good match on the undercard. You could put him in there against AJ Styles and have him win the Rumble and do a title match, and nobody would be disappointed. And where is he now? And the Andre the Jobber, Adam? And even if he wins this, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, you have to answer me this, and I know it's not the first time on this show we've gone up and down the road with Dolph, but, like, what does he not have that WWE will not push him? 
I don't know. I mean, did they just saddle him with literally a gimmick name that they don't like? I mean, I don't love the guy's name, right? Is it his look? Is it his entrance? Is it his overall gimmick? I mean, it's a good gimmick. The show off, it was fantastic. He can cut promos. He's incredible in the ring. He can work as a heel or a face. He's one of your top it. seven workers in the company. He's a mixture. It doesn't really, seem like he gets in trouble. He's a he mixture of, do no, it, not, not only does he not get in trouble, they love him because he puts people over. And, and Adam, he's kind of a mixture of Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels when he's at his best. And, like, that's a great combination, right? Like, let's let's push that to the moon. What? A, it's like I used to say, what is Alberto Del Rio missing? What's well, a bad guy. That's what he's missing. What the heck's Dolph Ziggler missing? It just really doesn't make sense. And to answer the question, um, it's – among the dumbest booking decisions of the year, just because there was no payoff. Like we expected, oh, there's going to be something really cool that happens where Dolph comes back and gets something, gets an immediate title match. He was the 30th entrant of the Royal Rumble and got eliminated relatively quickly for coming in that late. So whatever, let's move on. Number two here in the sliding into the DMs from Fico Man, that's F-I-C-O Man 24, same handle. Do you see Dean Ambrose BC as being Braun's surprise partner at WrestleMania? since they took him off the access signing WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, that seemed to be a big asterisk, a big, hey, check me out here. This this is saying something in pro wrestling terms. What's going on here? And what, did they replace him with staying in, in, in another legend? It's interesting. Ric Flair. But, yeah, Ric Flair. You know what? This would make, <laughs> even Adam, if he can, even if he can't go, right? Even if he can just stand there on the ring apron, this makes a lot more sense than any of the names we've talked about from Big Cass to even Chris Jericho. This Makes a lot of sense. Plug him back in there. Uh, yeah, I do see him as being that because there's no one else that, that that's a better option at this point outside of James Ellsworth just to be fun. Well, he has a built-in storyline, which I think is what you're alluding to, that the bar are the ones that injured him, and he was obviously in that long-term feud with Seth Rollins. So it would be fantastic if that happened. And you're right. Even if he comes out in a sling, I forgot what his injury is, but I think it was shoulder, right? Arm, something like that. Um, if he comes out in a sling and just stands you know, not even on the ring apron, stands down, right, on, on the uh, on the ground and lets Brock just work and then gets to hold up the tag team title. That's cool. Like, he doesn't need to actually work in the match. He can just, Brock can just say, yeah, I found someone and he's yeah, getting his retribution. His black and, wife beater and jeans and do that one spot where he kind of halfway hangs out the ropes. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's like, do I'm it. fine with that. I still think the best possible addition would be Neville. You get him back and you yes. get to say, hey, Neville. We're going to get you at WrestleMania. One of your complaints that you didn't get a paycheck last year. You're going to get one because you're going to be on the main card. You're going to get a title. You're going to be on the main roster, and you're going to be paired with Brock Lesnar. And you're gonna, I mean, uh, Braun Strowman. And you're going to be able to do awesome moves off his shoulders. And like, you're not going to be stuck in 205 Live. We're going to put you on the main roster. That's what I'm saying. But we're not going to push you as a party favor with a cape, a superhero. You're going to be the king. You're going to be the king, right? They don't be the king of the cruiserweights, but, you know, give him a gimmick. Let, let him win Adam Silverstein's King of the Ring tournament that you keep spouting off for. Let's let's do it. Let's yeah, do he it. can still be, be uh, King Neville. Yeah, you're right. All right, number three here, sliding into the DMs from Michael Sean at REEB82. He wants to know if WWE can introduce a second-tier women's championship, basically a equivalent to the inter Intercontinental or United States title. I stumbled over both of those. Uh, after Mania, he says, announce a tournament, put Sasha and Bailey on opposite sides. Just see how it all goes together. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, he's saying, look, let's bring new life to the women whose talents aren't being taken advantage of. Yeah, of course I support that. because, But the asterisk is always going to be, you got to show us you can book your Raw and SmackDown title feuds consistently and not shove out the welcoming committee for no reason. So... Even more than this idea, I would prefer a women's tag team title championship. I think it's time, and I think Absolution has looked so good that 
why not make, make them the inaugural champions, right? Because they seem to work better together with Paige as, as, as a mouthpiece manager. I would rather have that than an individual second tier at this point. I completely agree. I actually think they should merge the women's titles and create a women's tag team title. And you can have, you know, try to have one on one show, one on the other, but they're both can be defended across because now we don't have individual brand pay-per-views. We have cross band brand pay-per-views. Those titles can go back and forth. The titles don't need to be red and blue anymore. You just have a, you know, black or or white women's title. Um, And you just do it that way. And, And it gives more women in the division. Three is still more than two. It gives more women in the division of the ability to hold titles, but you also don't have to necessarily expand the divisions to such a way where you need to have a whole nother mid-card feud. And are they really going to add one mid-card title or would they add two? So to me, it makes sense. Get rid of one women's title, have one major champion. It's a, it's a great storyline. Let's those cross promotions happen. And you get the tag team right there. Hey, there it is. There it is. And now Adam, it's time for our guests of the week. We got Roman Reigns and AJ Styles coming at you. Enjoy. Yes, the big dog himself. Roman, how are you? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? We are doing great. Thank you so much. Just a little over a week out, of course. WrestleMania 34, Sunday, April 8th. WWE Network. Can't wait. And Roman, let's start right there. Brock Lesnar, this has been one heck of a build from the... I want to say from the intensity, oh, crap, did he just say that department? You know, calling it Brock's bitch, all that great stuff. You've got me fired up. We, of course, saw this great match three years ago at WrestleMania 31 until Seth kind of, you know, shifted the ending a bit. But let's go back to that point because I thought you guys were building a classic, a masterpiece. And I think the reason why was because how physical, how much you towed that line of, is this really real? Was that a real shot? That seemed really stiff. True or false, the beginning of that match, there was some real stiff stuff going on right there. Some, some real back and forth there. Take, keep, put me in line here as a mark because I was fired up for it. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but I love your energy right now and where you are. So don't do anything to what you're doing. Like your attitude is perfect right now. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I right off the bat, you can see it. I hit him right in the like right under the eye and it split him a little bit, and so he got a little bit of color. Um, and from there, I knew I messed up. He scooped me up and he ran me in the buckle and he cracked my ribs. So like a lot of people don't realize, uh, like after after that match, I, I wrestled for like a quarter of the year with messed up ribs that I, I could barely breathe. So like. If it appeared I was blown up through that portion of my career, it was because I, I really was. Uh, I wrestled Big Show like uh, he was my next rivalry uh, after that, and I wrestled him for a month or so. Um, and just the whole time, I was still feeling the uh, repercussions of stepping in the ring with Brock Lesnar. So, um, But we've all seen that, and we all know it. So I think anytime you have a one-on-one match with a guy like Brock, you, know, you have to bring a different mentality, um, and you have to understand that the – the story's simple, you know what I mean? We're, we're here, we're performers and we're here to put on a show, but when you're in there with a guy who has a uh, huge bravado and a huge reputation like Brock, and it's legitimate, you know what I mean? He, he did a, a crap ton of work to get there, um, you know, and with a lot of doubters, I'm sure, you know, uh, were, you know, just standing over his fence telling him that he couldn't do it, and he went and he got it done, so he has to protect himself, uh, but that's just kind of, you know, what it is. It, it has to be another level of physicality. And I think we did that uh, a couple years ago. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to uh, come back and, and hopefully deliver another great match. Real quick, Roman, how do you lift a 500, well, Big Show lost some weight, 400-pound man with a cracked rib? Uh, it's not easy, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's, I think, why... <laughs> 
why you can see it in, you know, through my performance and, uh, you know, with my cell, you know what I mean? Is uh, you, there's a lot of different nuances that go into our business, but if uh, you have things that push you to that limit, you know, it makes it that much easier to connect with it. So, you know, when you're in there with Brock Lesnar and you're trying to connect with that pain emotion, it, it's pretty easy. You know what I mean? Cause he's a, he's a heavy hitter. You know I mean? He's one of those guys that are swinging for the, sw- uh, for the fences and, he, he ain't scared to hit a home run. So if, if you don't watch yourself, you, when you step in a ring with big guys like like Brock Lesnar, Big Show, you know, Braun Strowman, guys like that who are just, you know, uber powerful and sometimes don't know their own strength, you, you might end up face down, you know, ass up. It, it happens, you know. Oh, absolutely. Roman, when people sort of that aren't wrestling fans give give me that, that general reaction of, oh, you know, it's scripted. It's not really a real competition. My answer to them is always this. There's the real athletic competition from you guys from the business standpoint of getting to the level where you are, where you're at right now, to be honest, where you are main eventing WrestleManias. That within itself, getting over with the fans, selling merch, you know, like getting to that point is a competition to itself. So you, you're coming off three straight main events at WrestleMania, and that puts you in the company, I don't know if you know this, of John Cena, Steve Austin, and Hulk Hogan. Hogan did it five times. He's got the record. If you go on last this year, and I hope you do, by the way. I've been arguing that on the show. That would be four. What does that mean to you from how I just laid that out? If this is a backstage competition, you're winning right now. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to look at it that way. You know what I mean? And that's definitely a portion to it. You know what I mean? That there, there's, I mean, there's no secret. There's, an, there's politics to this. And, and there's a backstage uh, presence. And... You know, and I always say it to a lot of the young guys, you know what I mean? And, and this is why this is one of the toughest jobs ever, because not only do you have to be a great performer, you have to you have to be a likable human being. You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to have some sort of power of persuasion. You have to be able to handle yourself in a locker room situation, in a uh, business office situation. You know what I mean? You have to be able to negotiate for yourself. You have to be a jack of all trades. So. I always tell the younger guys, quit sitting in this locker room, get out of the locker room, quit playing video games and go and, and network. You know what I mean? That's why I learned in college, you know what I mean? Is, is make relationships, you know, even if you're doing, you know, really good in a class, get to know the professor because who knows what's going to happen after you're done with that class. Once you pass that class with flying colors and you're looking for a job, you know what I mean? It's going to come down to that, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, but it's not really who you know, it's how you know them. So I've always been big on building relationships. And I, I think that just comes from my family and, and my upbringing and, and my mother and, and just how, you know, all my cousins and my father and just how they did it. You know what I mean? I think that's how we've managed to stay in this business for so long as a family, because we just understand that. And uh, I think, you know, for the most part, you know what I mean? We're genuine people who, who enjoy what we do and the people we're around. So it makes it really easy when you enjoy your job and your coworkers. And I think that's what's helped me the most. So one year ago, following up on that main event topic, you were in the main event, WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, middle of the ring with the undertaker kind of curious. I've been curious for the last year, whether that match lived up to your expectations. I, I don't think it ever could really, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I had uh, just, it, it's a hard spot to be the undertaker to, to, to have such a storied career, to have such, you know what I mean, just a huge list of just ridiculously good matches and to have that respect and then to have that mystique and have that, 
you know, that reputation as the godfather of the professional wrestling and sports entertainment business. You know what I mean? So everybody's thought about, man, what would it be like to be, you know, in a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania to where you hype it up so much that it's almost unfair to him, I think. You know what I mean? So for me, what made it really, you know, hard was how heavy it was. And, you know, if I wrestled Undertaker 20 years ago in the beginning of his career or, you know, the middle of it, would it be like that? Probably not. But, I mean, the positioning that I found myself, it just felt really heavy and, and so much more emotional than I was ready for it to be. Um, so I think that was the hardest thing. And, uh, you know, but the coolest thing, you know, because I think that that just shows the gravity of the situation, um, the responsibility of the placement and uh, just who I was sharing the ring with, you know, and, and that's how special, you know, a character and, and, you know, talking about what we were, you know, kind of talking about before the politics, the backstage, um, you know, obviously nobody navigated that, that path better than the undertaker because everybody you could ever think of in this business, you know, as far as WWE is concerned um, has a huge amount of respect for that man. So um, I don't, I, I just feel like, you know, in some way I, I wasn't good enough for, Maybe it, it it could have been better on my behalf, but I just, you know, I always hold Undertaker so high in that regard that, you know, I, I just feel like, um, you know, maybe I could have been better. But I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I really learned a huge amount in the ring with him, you know, to, to only be in there for a couple times, you know, and one singles match, you know, and especially to have it be, you know, at that level to be able to just pick something up in 30, 40 minutes from, a, from another uh, performer is it just goes to show how good he is, you know, because I shared the ring with a lot of really good wrestlers and to be able to pick up on stuff that he does uh, and to see the difference, you know, you know, first person up front and, you know, personal, um, it, it really was special. And, I, and I'm very proud of that because I'm, I'm going to be one of the only guys that said they, they've been in the ring and, and wrestled the undertaker, you know what I mean? Um, and John Cena gets the opportunity to do it this year it's not the same for him because he's been in the locker room with him. He, he shared, you know, a tour bus with him. You know, they, they've, they've been around the world together. You know, they've shared the same locker room and a lot of the guys in our locker room now can't say that. So it's uh it's a shame. Really, you know? Roman, I want to close on this. Of course, you'll be meeting Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 34. We can't wait, but the build to get there saw you reunite with the shield last fall for, to monster pops, new merch on the stands. Everyone's happy. Sort of bad luck, of course, got in the way with you getting sick ahead of TLC and Kurt Angle taking your place, and then Dean's injury seemed to derail whatever plans there was. We weren't privy, of course, to how long that storyline was intended to be, but how disappointing was it for you after the reaction to getting the band back together and then seeing it sort of get shelved? Yeah, that, that was one of those things that it, I just try to chalk it up so what's meant to be is meant to be. You know, that was the past, and that that's just what happened. It is what it is. Um, and it, like you said, it just... We couldn't ever get off the ground with it. And I, I'm kind of glad we didn't, to be honest, because I don't think we we had it, you know, where it was going to be an extended thing. You know, I think we were just going to kind of do maybe a one or two night deal and then and then kind of do our separate separate things um, just because of, you know, the, the time of the season we're get, we were getting into. Um, but it's just tough, you know what I mean? Unfortunately for me, I got sick and then, Dean, you know, that that's the real part that sucks for us is because, you know, not only did we lose them, you know, a third member of the Shield, the whole locker room lost, a, you know, a leader, a guy, a workhorse, a guy who shows up. And, and to be honest, Dean has been the guy who's, 
been on the road long longer than all of us. You know, we've all experienced injuries. You know, Seth blew his knee up. I had the hernia, the nose, stuff like that. So he was the only one that was like still hadn't had time off in like five years. So I mean, a lot of props to him. He's an Iron Man for sure. No, no question about it. Roma, thanks so much for your time. We can't wait. Sunday, April 8th, Brock Lesnar. Whether it goes last or not, I know we're going to see some potatoes. And let's just hope we don't see another, I busted it actually, big dog moment. No no wardrobe malfunctions, Roma. <laughs> let's do this right on the way out here, all right? That, that is not the route we're trying to. We're going to have brand new pants, you know what I mean? No, no wardrobe malfunctions. It's going to be some, some ass beating only. None of that stuff. Thanks. Best of luck to you, man. Appreciate your time. The face that runs the place, AJ Styles, just over a week out from WrestleMania 34, Sunday, April 8th in New Orleans. AJ, great to have you back on, man. How's everything? Everything's good. We can't wait to see you against Shinsuke Nakamura, of course, for the WWE Championship, one of the one of the biggest builds in, in, in buzzing matches we have now entering the big show here. A lot of talk, though about your knee injury. Can you give us a status of where you are at health-wise as we get closer? There is no injury, uh, so we're good to go. I mean, it's plain and simple. We don't even have to talk about it. That's how great it's doing. Look at this guy. Just, <laughs> it's over. Let's, let's end it right there. Let's leave that behind us. Yeah, well, the, yeah. well that's great so, to hear. So this Nakamura feud gets us fired up because we've seen the history in Japan. We wanted this for so long. I'm sure the same for you. For people that haven't seen this history, what can they expect from you two when you reunite in the ring? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be an exciting match. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it's just one of those matches where you got two guys in there that just put on a good show together. Uh, I mean, we've done it once before, once before, and that's it. That's why it's so exciting because it's not watered down. It's just going to be two guys slugging it out and uh, doing some really cool stuff. When you look at the two styles, how do, how, how do you guys compare contrast in the ring? Well, we're definitely different. I mean, who can compare with Shinsuke Nakamura? Uh, I mean, he's you know different from everybody. Uh, but little do most people know, he'll kick your head off. Uh, this guy's the real deal. I mean, he's done MMA before. It's not you know um, he's not slacking that slacking that department when it comes to fighting. So, um, but uh, we're just so different, man. And I think that's a good thing. If opposites attract, and you know the same as in the ring, well, it's going to be exciting then. I feel like just recently in this edition of SmackDown on Tuesday night, Shinsuke really got maybe the first opportunity to show some of his real personality, at least on quote unquote main roster WWE television since he joined. What is he really like, you know, in the backstage traveling together or maybe not together, but, you know, going doing shows together that people don't necessarily get to see on TV? Uh, Shinsuke is one of the coolest guys you'll meet. There's no doubt about that. He, uh, and he's been that way ever since I've known him. And I've known him a lot longer than most people think. Um, we, uh, we've probably known each other over 10 years. And, uh, but just one of the, you know, the thing where he says he's just, he didn't really say what it was, but I, I'm assuming he meant he's just a calm, you know, you know, just the calm before the storm. That's Shinsuke Nakamura before you get in the ring with him. You know, he's calm, relaxed, uh, just there to, you know, have a good time, you know, uh, not much I can say uh, other than that. I mean, just those guys that you want to hang out with, Shinsuke Nakamura, that's the guy you want to hang out with. AJ, you guys certainly teased the fans at Money in the Bank last year. It was, to me, it was sort of like the takeaway moment from the entire night. Got us all fired up. When did you first find out 
this was going to be a reality, not just for any feud, right, but for WrestleMania? I think it was like a, maybe a month out uh, before, you know, uh, I, that I found out that this was a possibility. It was something that I, you know, talked about with uh, guys who have the ability to, to listen and make things happen. And uh, I didn't know if it was going to, you know, the opportunity was there. But I, I just thought that, you know, despite whether people are, in, are into this match or not, it's uh, the WWE Universe is going to watch. But I feel like the world would like to see this match again. So I feel like it was a great, you know, opportunity to bring in more subscribers and at the same time put on an unbelievable match. In your first match together, we're not necessarily going to get into the details. People can go watch it. But do you feel that match live up, lived up to your expectations or did it potentially not? And therefore, this presents you the opportunity to do maybe exactly what you did want to do in that first go around. No, I think I thought it was a great match the, the first go around. I thought that was everything that most fans expected in, in Japan. And, um, you know, well. It, it was great. Uh, I think we can do even better than that. I think that we can tear the house down. I, I really believe that once we get in the ring, things will just start happening. You know, like, wow, I'd never seen them do that before. Oh, you know, just little things. That's my idea. That's that's what I'm thinking. I'm just hoping it comes uh, to fruition. AJ, we talked to you in the past. You're always very humble. You're you're not about you know. Hey, well, let's go out and let's get a five and a half star match. I know that's not the, that's not what you work for, right? This is your art form. This is what you're doing there. But you have a reputation that follows you. So there's always we want to see AJ against this guy to see what it would look like. I wanted to see you against Brock Lesnar to see what it would look like, and we did last November at Survivor Series in that champion versus champion match. I voted it my match of the year for 2017. I've never seen Brock, who. A guy who everyone that comes on the show as a guest, we ask them, is it true working with Brock? Is it, it is as difficult as they say behind the scenes. Is, is he as hard to work with? They all say yes. Yet I never saw him look as happy, committed to selling, and just dialed in as he was in that match against you, which to me was a classic. What was it like for you to work with him? Easy. I know it's crazy for me to say that. It was, it was easy to work with Brock. We had the same ideas. Um, he presented, you know, like – what he wanted to do, what he thought might work, and, and then we worked together and to come up with well the match that most people saw and and it was easy working with Rock. It wasn't hard. It was it was exciting for me. I know there's a a lot of bumps taken by me, but that was part of the story that we were trying to tell, and it worked. Um, I thought it was a great match. I enjoyed working with him. I hope to do it again. Oh, come on. I hope you get like, you know, 30, 40 minutes again. And we that wasn't the only sort of quote-unquote dream match. We did see you last year, of course, against Finn Balor. in another one-off that, that certainly lived up to expectations. But talk to me about the, the, the too-sweet moment because, come on, you, you know who we are. We're, we're journalists, but we're fans. And that got us fired up. How fired up was that moment for you? Well, uh, it was one of those things that just kind of happened. Uh, wasn't wasn't planned, wasn't called. It was just one of those things, uh, was, uh, you know, we just did it. We just made it happen. And it was it was a cool moment for both of us, uh, I think, to to be able to compete in the WWE. And, and gosh, the way that it happened where nobody knew it was going to happen, including myself, until, um, you know, days out for Survivor Series. But it was a, it was a blessing in disguise. It was, it was great for both of us. It was fun. It was a match that people wanted to see. There was just... Not really that build uh, build up, but I don't think we needed one. This is a bit of a strange question, but it 
seems like, especially from people that have watched your entire career, your cat, your catalog of moves, your move set, it's just so extensive, right? It, it goes, you know, mat wrestling all the way, aerial moves, et cetera, and everything in between. Have WWE fans, do you feel seen the extent of your abilities to this point? Or are there things that you're holding back and waiting for the right time, such as against the Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania, a rematch with Finn Balor and things of that nature? Well, it's not every day you get to work guys that, you know, are your size. Um, a lot of times it seems like I'm in a guy's in the ring with guys that are a lot bigger than I am. So those moves that, you know, I can't really do. Um, so I'm hoping to, to break back some that they'd forgotten about and, and maybe some they haven't seen this time around. AJ, we've asked you before about your favorite matches in WWE and the stuff you're most proud of, but in line with what we just talked about move sets and spots, my favorite AJ style spot in WWE is 2016 TLC Dean Ambrose springboard 450 splash through the table with no margin for error. Where can you talk to me about that move when you're about to unleash something like that? It's dangerous. It's incredibly exciting, and you nail it. What's going through your mind then? What was going through my mind at the moment? I was like, gosh, I hope my ankle's not broken uh, because uh, <laughs> there was there was something that happened right before that where I got backdropped by. Uh, by Dean and I uh, really messed up my ankle and uh, you know, thank God for adrenaline or uh, I don't know that I'd be able to even do it, but you know, it's one of those things where like you're, you're worried about it. I hope it goes, you know, the way I want it to, but at the same time, you're like, well, I'm going to do it regardless. Let's just see what happens. You know, at that moment, like before you're thinking about this going, oof, ah, man, I don't know. And then when the moment comes, you're like, Let's just go. No hesitation whatsoever. So every wrestling fan who ever dreamed about being a wrestler, or I, I would assume every wrestler in the industry in some way, dreams about one day being WWE champion. You know, that's really the pinnacle. That specific championship title, you know, not just being a world champion perhaps elsewhere, although those are obviously extremely prestigious as well. You've been able to have that accomplishment. You're taking that championship into WrestleMania how surprised were you potentially from everything that goes along with being WWE champion as opposed to simply just carrying the strap to the ring? Uh, I guess I'm not surprised with everything that goes, uh, you know, with being the WWE champion. That means that you're the guy that they're dependent on to help put butts in the seats. That means that you do everything like you're on podcast, like we are now. Um, and, you know, going and doing signings and, you know, you're on the road, you're busy. And, I get that, I understand that, and I'm prepared to, to sacrifice, uh, you know, be, you know, being away from my family because you, that's what it takes to be the WWE champion. But at the same time, you know, you're gonna be able to put on a show too as soon as they put the mic in your hand, or, or, uh, you know, you get in between the ropes and you get at it. You know, I'm not surprised by any of this. I expect it, and that's the way it should be. AJ. Giant news, Daniel Bryan coming back. And giant maybe for you because when we put together these quick reaction stories of, you know, with Bryan back, as the roster looks now, what are the dream angles, feuds, matches we can make? Obviously, your name comes up very quickly in that in that conversation. And obviously, you've had history with Bryan in the past in much smaller venues. When, it, when you hear he's coming back, outside of what you might feel for him personally, how exciting do you get at that possibility? Super excited, man. I, it's it's a moment I didn't think was going to happen, to be honest with you. And I, I've told Brian, you know, as we have talked about this before, we're trying to get cleared, trying to find a way. 
And I said, man, selfishly, I, I hope you do get clear because I want to get in the ring with you. And and now the possibility of that actually happening, man, it is super exciting. I'm so happy for him. Um, it's easy to see how much he misses you know, being in the ring. It's it's easy to see that. And to see him back is, is going to be unbelievable. Daniel, as we – I'm sorry, Daniel, look at that. AJ, as we wind down here, the, <laughs> right. the champ that runs the camp, look at that. I got that in the mind. Uh, your first WrestleMania match, of course, was against Chris Jericho, and I feel like that's going to be a sneaky one where it's going to age like a fine wine, right? Like it wasn't publicized that year as highly on the card, but Jer- Jericho being a legend, the same with yourself. How proud are you with that match, even if it doesn't get the same recognition that maybe it should? Uh, I'm very proud of that match. We did some really cool things in that. Uh, and, you know, it was one of those, uh, you know, when you watch it back, you go, oh, wow, that was really good. And like you said, it didn't get a lot of attention. But, you know, I get it. You know, this guy's for, you know, new to WWE, and we can't put all our, you know, time and investment into this match. But um, I think it's, I really believe it's one of those when you're going you're gonna to watch back and go, hey, you know what? That was a really great match. Um, it was fun too. It was a lot of fun for me. It was amazing. Over a hundred thousand people and literally a sea of people when I looked out and uh, thank God I took a second to take it in or, uh, you know, I would regret that moment, but it was, it was such a special moment. No question about it. And look, AJ, you're like the, you're the ultimate baby face in so many ways because fans just flock to you so much. You're a good guy outside of the ring. I don't, even in an awful world like Twitter and social media, I can't imagine you get any negativity on there. How are you able to stay so dialed in, so focused, so motivated when you're so beloved? Well, I mean, I don't forget where I came from. I don't forget who I am. When I look back and, and, you know, and, and someone goes crazy for me, it still um, makes me wonder why, you know, um, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy, you know, um, I'm not anything special. Um, I'm a husband, I'm a father, you know, that's, that's all, that's the way I see myself. I'm, I, I don't feel like I'm anything special. Um, you know, uh, sometimes there's a, there's some truth to what I say in that ring, you know, um, when I get the mic in my head, and I've said this before that, you know, I am just like these people out here sitting or, or standing or watching television at home. I am just like them. I'm one of them, except when I step through these ropes, it is game time, you know, and I'm going to put forth my best, best effort every time I step into this ring. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wish I could give you an answer why people like AJ Styles. I'm not really sure, even at this point in my career. Hey, it's working. Look, just go with it. It's working, AJ Styles. And we want to see what happens Sunday, April 8th, WrestleMania 34. Look, we say dream match a lot. For me, a little bit of a dream match here to see this go back another time against Shinsuke Nakamura, WWE Championship. AJ, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Wow. AJ Styles and Roman Reigns. Special thanks again for them joining us just this close to WrestleMania 34. Adam, nice little pieces of nuggets, little reveals, little little bits of juice for the audience to, to, to sip on right there. I don't know if it really gets better than the big dog and the champ who runs the camp on consecutive interviews on the same show, right? I think that's like pinnacle WWE interviewing. Yeah, I mean, that's been a call ITC in this corner in a, in a week that's already been loaded, and we do have a, a couple good ones coming for you next week as well, no doubt about it. But let's let's quickly break into some of that. Look, Roman Reigns putting the Undertaker match on himself, Adam. 
Thought it was a good question. Thought it was a good answer. Do you believe him, though? Not really. I think that's what he is supposed to do is like the face of the company and the guy who wants to protect The Undertaker's legacy. I'm not saying that he's lying, per se. I'm sure he does think that he could have done a better job in the match, but there's little question that he seemed to try to do everything he possibly could do to put on a great match there. And The Undertaker, as we saw in that WWE 24 documentary, um, he was not feeling great. And it seems like he was not really able to walk. And certainly entering WrestleMania this year, best I can tell, he's had some surgeries and stuff, and he's going to be in way better shape. And I know I ask uh, everybody we are we have on this podcast about working with, with Brock Lesnar. So it was cool to hear Roman sort of talk about how stiff and real that is and breaking a rib. And it was just as equally cool to hear AJ have the exact opposite experience. And, you know, what I said in that question, and I've said on the show, and I mean it, Brock was so damn happy and so damn... That was like old-school Brock wrestle, chain wrestling and working it in that match with AJ. If there's a, any feud that, that needs more time, no more fleshing out, even more than, like, a Cena Reigns, we got to see AJ Brock. Like, Brock, don't go away. We, we need to see that. The juxtaposition of those two answers was... Like, it stunned me, honestly. I've never heard someone call Brock Lesnar easy. That's, that's the last word you use for Brock Lesnar. He hits hard. He's hard to de- supposedly hard to deal with, so on and so forth. But he called working with Brock Lesnar easy and giving, and they had the same idea for the match. Since when do, does anyone have the same idea for a match as Brock Lesnar, who we think wants to get in and out in 45 seconds, right? He, he definitely sold out for AJ in that match, and that was awesome. Uh, no question about it. And who knows if AJ's working us or not about his injury, but... I, you know, I don't care either way. I just want to see that match, and I hope he's healthy and hope he's in there. And, you know, we talked earlier in the show about, you know, who should main event WrestleMania. Let's not gloss over that sort of factoid too quickly. If it is Roman, that's four in a row. The only other guy to do that, Hogan, did five, and this would put Roman above Austin and Cena, who've done it three in a row. Maybe you say, who cares if it's in a row? Maybe a better number is how many they've made events. Sure, but I think that shows you if you're doing it three or four times in a row— you were that valuable to the business, whether you're Vince McMahon's boy or Britch or whatever you want to say. Like, it's almost doesn't matter when you're that valuable to the business. That says something. Four in a row would be a huge, a huge uh, tip of the cap when just as easily this could have been the year they said, all right, the women are closing or whatever. You know, that if, if Roman gets four in a row, that's a big deal to me. I think it's a big deal. That's 100 percent true. But I would make the argument that last year, that match really should not have closed WrestleMania. I mean, you can say that Lesnar-Goldberg for just action per minute, right, of in-ring, just like how destructive it was and how exciting it was to see those two behemoths go at it. You can make an argument that that maybe should have closed the show as just the ultimate high and had Roman be either the co-main or just before that with the women's battle royal in between. Not battle royal, the... It seemed like a battle royal, like the 18-woman <laughs> SmackDown women's match or whatever the hell that was. Um, so, yes, I, I definitely think it's something that is notable. And certainly if he wins the WW, or the Universal title, you would expect him to main event next year as well. Oh, and then we're talking, we're talking five years. Imagine him versus Cena or AJ or whoever. Yeah, that'd be a big deal. But look, that's also arbitrary because... sometimes last-minute decisions that don't make a lot of sense do affect that. We can look that over history. Part of Hogan's five in a row was WrestleMania 9 when he comes back in with, you know, an unscheduled match against Yokozuna to win back the bell, right? Part of, you know, some of these other runs were interrupted. I mean, look, Flair Michaels should have closed the show at WrestleMania 24, right? I mean, that's one of a handful of examples you could say, hey, you know what should have closed too? Savage Flair back in uh, 92 could have easily closed over Hogan and Sid at that time, which wasn't even for the title. So it's all sort of, you know... 
what Vince decides to do, chocolate or vanilla, it's Vince's chessboard, whatever analogy you want to make. But, hey, great interviews. Uh, nothing much much more you could say about that. AJ, the ultimate babyface. I just want to, like, hang out with him. Like, you know what I mean? Not, 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 not to go, like, ultimate mark-level worship on these guys, but just seems like such a good dude. Absolutely. And the thing I'm excited about, BC, is the interviews aren't done. Like, we have two more, well, at least one more. I don't want to say two and get out of school here. We have at least one more awesome interview. We might have two more next week's In This Corner on Wednesday, WWE edition, uh, ahead of WrestleMania. And we may have a couple surprises from you from New Orleans as well as we finish out that week leading into the biggest show of the year. Yeah, don't go away from this podcast during during Mania weekend. we got a lot coming your way. We're also going to put our hands quickly in the field spots this week, Adam. We have the luxury of recording after NXT. And, man, NXT this week talk about reveals that 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 ladder match for the for the new North American title EC3 coming out a lot going on but my feel spot and it, it's always my feel spot when they do this was that backlot brawl so to speak between Alistair Black and Cian Almas because it was intense and when Black's face goes in the cooler of water and I know that's gimmicky but no it's it, it was it, it was physical and it was real you're gonna get me fired up every single time feel spot activated so everyone listening to the show knows I'm down and ready for Gargano Ciampa right but these guys, we listen, we know NXT is taped uh, basically a month at a time, TV show-wise. These guys are keeping kayfabe alive. Tommaso Ciampa posting on Twitter a video of his home purport, you know, supposedly at 325 in the morning of Johnny Gargano screaming outside his window. By the way, what are the neighbors doing? No neighbors are calling the cops when like something like that's happening. But uh, Gargano screaming at him, obviously stalking him uh, at the performance center uh, and really kind of demanding the match, obviously, with Regal or demanding some resolution with Regal and Regal basically saying, hey, you know, yeah, let's do an uncensored match. And if Johnny wins, he gets his job back in NXT. So um, that just went for me. It enhanced the rivalry even more. It, enha- it enhanced uh, the potential match we're going to see in New Orleans. I'm, that, I'm just, I'm honestly stoked for NXT. Uh, it's going to be sick. And that uh, specific video you mentioned was so good that it made me wonder if this is WWE's future, which is kind of a play on being the elite, which is a different tone, but being the elite, the web series from the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny has its role in the fact that it, it extends storylines, it fills in the blanks, it introduces new people to their universe, and it's just so hip and cool. If WWE can start to get on board like that, we'll only all benefit from this. Well, it does seem like they're going in the reality social media direction in terms of promos. The biggest issue, at least in my opinion, is that they're not putting those on TV, or at least debuting them on TV first, and when they do BC, they're covered in either cartoon words or like a big Instagram logo with like the person's handle so you can follow them. So I just wish it was a little bit more. What they're doing on social media is honestly fantastic. Mojo Raleigh, The Miz, Ciampa, just to name a few of the promos that we've seen over the last like three or four months. They've been the arguably some of the best promos of their entire respective careers, but they're on social media where they're getting tens of thousands of views as opposed to on TV where they can get millions of hits and views. And then you put them on social media afterwards. So that's what I want to see. I want to see that tr- that awesomeness translate to TV. No no question about it. Well, look, shout out again to Roman and AJ. Anybody that missed our Moro Ronaldo and Triple H bonus episode on Tuesday talking all things NXT, be sure to listen up to that. And to close, hey, I know there's a wrestling show, but boxing fans, one more reminder. Saturday's heavyweight championship unification fight from Wales is a big deal. We're talking about unifying three of the four major world heavyweight titles, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. You can watch it in the States, of course, on Showtime at 5 p.m. Eastern. But if you are in Canada, 
This is your chance, live and exclusive, to check out this fight on DAZN.com. That's D-A-Z-N.com. Look, there's only been, what, seven fighters who have unified at least three of the major recognized heavyweight titles. Guys like Lewis, Holyfield, Foreman, Ali, Frazier, Klitschko, and Tyson Parker or Joshua has that chance. And they have WBC champ Deontay Wilder sort of waiting in the bullpen for possibly a chance at, at finding a true undisputed heavyweight king. This is a fight you don't want to miss. Check out DAZN.com if you are north of the border for more information. And follow our show on Twitter at In This Corner CBS for Adam Silverstein. This is TBC. Hey, Adam, you got two words, a message for the people? We out.